before we get started with the podcast, I want to tell you something I'm really pumped about this fall. So many leaders are struggling. We understand. We feel challenged as a team. Churches feel challenged. Nonprofits feel squeezed. Businesses don't know how they're going to recover. And if that's you, I want to invite you to be encouraged alongside of us at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We want to speak directly into the challenges you're feeling right now. It's hard to get healthy and stay healthy in this season, but we want to help you. This isn't just one more online conference. This is an online experience. We believe you'll be encouraged. You'll be equipped. We have some incredible thought leaders, authors, speakers, pastors, business leaders coming to you like Mark Batterson, Sam Collier, Jenny Katrin, Pete Scazzaro, Katie Cole, the Hottie Lewis. We're also going to hear from Jimmy Miato from Compassion International about the succession plan, why it is working so well. Guys, fascinating conversations with some incredible people. You do not want to miss this. Here's what's cool is you get to watch this from home or you could watch this in the boardroom. You could watch this with your team, with a friend, with somebody else or completely by yourself. We want to encourage you to set aside a day on the 5th through the 8th, maybe two days, maybe all four days as kind of a study leave, as kind of a break to be refilled after the September push. Guys, we know you're tired and we want to encourage you to block off this time on the calendar, to dedicate these few days to be refilled in your leadership, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. You do not want to miss this. For as little as five bucks, you can attend. So go to healthyleaderssummit.com. The registration is live. It is live right now. So go get this, share this with a friend. We can't wait. We will see you at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We are pumped. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Alan and I are actually sitting together, which is a rare treat. Usually we're over the interwebs, but we are sitting in a rustic cabin uh, to paint a picture for you. It is an old school log cabin. Um, there are currently no lights. We're sitting in relative uh, darkness, but it's it's this beautiful scene. Uh, leaves are changing. We're kind of on top of this mini mountain with uh, some views. And Alan and I have spent a, a few days together to, to record some podcasts, but we're also, uh, we have this great opportunity right now with a potential partnership. So Alan, why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. We're continuing to dream about experiences in the future and encounters my read right now in this moment is that we are tired of information, overwhelmed on information. We are hungry for encounters. And there's a lot of loneliness mm-hmm. out there. And uh, David and I had the opportunity to hang out a little bit. Now, we both live in Colorado, but we are like four hours apart, four and a half hours yeah. apart. So yeah. it's, it's not like we live, you know, in the next town over. And um, so when, whenever we're together, we had an opportunity to, to hike last time and just kind of catch up. And we're kind of just catching up with each other on a relational level. We're also just digging into some pretty weighty matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we need friends right now. And you may need to call a friend and just say, how are you doing in the midst of this? I've had so many friends just check back in with me and say, hey, man, uh, looks like you're killing it on social media, which, right, everybody's family looks like they're killing it on social media. <laughs> And just say, how are you actually doing? And I've appreciated that so much. So there's nothing quite like face-to-face. Close enough, you could give somebody COVID. Uh, so <laughs> we are definitely COVIDable right now, yeah. you know, three feet away. But um, there's just nothing like checking back in and saying, how are you doing? And, um, and I think we're in a very distracted moment right now. Mm. And I believe 
that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Scripture says that, yet, I believe distracting and discouraging are two of those tools that I'm seeing right now wielded toward leaders. So many leaders feel discouraged. We addressed that in the You Can't Win podcast episode. Go back and listen to that one if you haven't. Um, But also, just this, I'm distracted. I have too many things going on. There's too many issues. And I think in that we can self-medicate. I think in that we can run. In that we can hide. We can feel like I am not the man or the woman for this job or this role. If God's placed you there, then you are. You have what it takes. Yes, this is hard. And yet God has placed you here. But in, in that distraction, I think we can make little issues the main thing. Mm. When we zoom out and think about this is a heated election, but the country will go on November 5th, no matter who wins, right? Half of our country is going to be angry, disappointed, frustrated, and yet life will continue to go on. You will still have a role on November 5th. You will still need to lead. You will still need to love people and serve your family after that. And I think one of the things that David is, is incredible at, and I want to interview him about today, is seeing that the gospel is actually at the root of all this. And many times we think that this issue of race is just new and it's today. This issue of politics is just new and it's today. Well, it turns out there's some talk about politics in Scripture. Believe it or not, Jesus addresses (laughs) politics. There's talk not about masks, but actually the early church had to think about how do we deal with pandemics? Do we stay? Do we go? Do we engage? How do we serve? Like, All these things we think are so distracting and all here in the moment, and yet we forget that there's the gospel underneath this. And so not just to pastors, although I think this is incredibly helpful to pastors, we want to remind you as humans and as leaders to come back to Jesus, to come back to Jesus at the heart of these things. That's not going to be talked about on MSNBC or Fox News. CNN's not going to mention Jesus in the midst of this. So David, you do that in the midst of conversation really well, of sermons, of, of leading your team, and just the way you live life. How can we stay centered on Jesus in the midst of distracting issues mm. that keep coming at us? Well, I'll speak from the perspective of a pastor, but um, I think this season is an opportunity to deepen your gospel confidence. If I ask you, who, who are listening, and your leaders, how many, how many of you feel overly confident in this season. <laughs> probably not many. I mean, this Killing is, it, right? Pro- yeah, probably. I got what it takes. An extremely insecure time. For all of us. For all of us. You're not the only one. Yeah, and so when I started planting a church, I, I started in just 30 minutes north of where we are now, planting a church in Colorado. I was, I think I was 24. Uh, I, came, I came out as from an intern, I was an intern for a young adult ministry, and it's like, okay. I'm still amazed they threw you out here to yeah. get an opportunity. It's I mean, pretty incredible. On paper, it was a terrible decision. And my mentors at the time, and it still are, I mean, they're amazing, and they saw things in me that I never saw. So I didn't have any sort of confidence that came from myself, and I had to learn that the gospel is enough, that the gospel is enough, meaning I didn't need to be, you know, I didn't need to have the perfect strategy. I didn't need to have as much experience as the people that I looked up to. I didn't need to have answers to every question. I didn't need, a, you know, a master's in counseling, that the gospel itself is powerful enough and that it is enough um, 
for me personally, but also for this church. And I think for us, that is coming into question, that the things that you did no longer work because they can't work, right? You're not able to meet in the same way and you had systems and you had programs and maybe your staff was running on all cylinders and you were feeling great and now all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from under you and it doesn't work the way it did. And so now you are confronted with a challenge of what will work, what does work. All the things that I once knew, my security blankets are now taken away from me and what do I cling to? And a lot of times our temptation is to figure out the new sexy way to adapt during COVID and figure out the silver bullet that's going to help us through this season. Strategy, planning, all of that is great. But what I hope happens for me and for you that are listening is that there's this deepening sense of a gospel confidence that what Jesus has accomplished for us what God has done through Christ Jesus has changed the entire trajectory of the world, and that is enough. Your, your brother, J.R., talks about the tomb is empty, the pressure is off. And I love that line, that there's nothing that's going to put him back in. <laughs> yep. It's been accomplished. Yeah. The, work, the work has been done that covers over our worst days, Yeah, right? Like when we screw it up, you're not going to respond perfectly to everything in this season. No one is. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, the gospel is this past reality of what's been accomplished, that God is at work right now, um, sanctifying and redeeming his people. But also, generally, you hate to know the end of a movie, right? That <laughs> totally gives it away. Or, or the end of a game, yeah. like reruns of a game. Yeah, if you recorded it on TiVo and you're like, plugging your ears as you run by, you know, like an airport bar and the game's on or whatever. And so people hate, that ruins the whole story, that ruins the whole kind of suspense of it. But for us, it's probably the most comforting thing to know the, the past and the present reality of the gospel, but also the future reality of the gospel, that Jesus is the King of Kings. He's sitting on his throne. He is coming back. He's going to make all things new. The new heavens and new earth are coming down. The story is already written. We know the end of it, and it makes the present that much more livable with a sense of gospel uh, confidence. And so if you're like me, you've had moments where your confidence has been shredded during this season. And I would, I would encourage you to come back to the gospel, the reason, hopefully, why you're in ministry in the first place, and to come back to that and to root yourself into that personally, but also from a ministry perspective, that it is enough, that it is powerful, that it does change lives, and that only God can do that, and we just get to steward that gospel as ministry leaders. I was talking to a leader recently, a ministry leader, took a huge risk, I think three years ago, pulled off something huge that said, man, only God could have done this. Well, as COVID hit, it was folding and he literally said, we were done. We were like, that, that's it. Um, it ended literally our supply chain. There's no way this can continue. And it tears in his eyes. I was like, so what happened? And he's like, we just started giving our last stuff away for free. Hmm. Local news picks it up and says, why are you doing this? Is this giving them a chance to share the gospel with their whole city and saying, I don't have any other way to say this, but it's just God. It's just my Jesus compels me. And again, they said, now we've never been doing better. It's, it's only God that we're even here. I mean, it's just crazy to think about. Mm. And that's an extreme story, right? You don't need to have something that's 
that's that massive. But in these moments, sometimes we say only God. How did you have the energy? How did you have the strength? How did you have the discernment to lead through the season? Like it's, it's only God. The phrase that I love to say is you are God's kid, whether you are on the honor roll or in the principal's office. And many leaders are getting taken out to the woodshed right now. Mm-hmm. And you probably don't deserve it. Let me just say that. You probably don't deserve it. You can't do everything perfectly. We've addressed that in podcasts before. But it's so helpful to know that God deeply and dearly loves you. You're his kid. And people are not wise with their words right now. <laughs> They're just ripping on leaders, especially right now, making hard decisions. It's an incredibly hard time to lead. And yet, for whatever reason, God has chosen you to lead for this moment. He's given you the influence in your family and your friend groups on social media as an influencer in your church and your business and your team. Whatever influence you've been given, God wants you and wanted you for whatever reason to have that influence and to just say, wow, what I can do is to say Jesus at the middle of this. Jesus. Now, issues, I want to talk about that for a minute. There's a lot of issues swirling, and it's easy to get distracted within an issue and to think that we can preach into the issue or just talk into the issue without chasing it to the root. How do we see an issue, David? Maybe you're preaching within your church, for example. We see an issue, we need to address it, but it would be short-sighted just to end with a sermon or a study on Scripture or a conversation on that issue. How do we kind of go deeper and excavate a little bit to find Jesus there? Yeah, I mean, we're living in a bad news era that, quite frankly, is exhausting to the point where it might do us some good to turn off the news and social media, and not to not be informed, but when you have this amount of bad news just coming in over and over like waves and you're getting battered around, um, it's exhausting. But here's the opportunity, is that we believe, um, I mean, the gospel is good news. It's That's what it literally translates to. And so we actually have an opportunity as the church or as leaders to speak good news into a bad news world, into bad news situations that truly are bad news that we should address as the church. We shouldn't ignore them. We shouldn't whistle past the graveyard pretending like this is, you know, not happening or that this doesn't exist. We shouldn't put on you know, a fake smile and pretend like everything is okay. However, when cracks form in the foundation of our culture and our society, instead of ignoring them, we get to fill them with the mortar of the gospel. We get to speak into that bad news with good news. And so I would look at this as an incredible opportunity that people are desperate for some good news. That people that aren't believers, that if their kind of secular gospel was be as comfortable as possible, get as many nice things as possible, have as much stability and comfort as possible, that has been turned upside down. That the kind of worldly or secular uh, narratives of good news are starting to show wear and tear. They're starting to show cracks into them, uh, in them. And so the mortar of the gospel can fill that in. And so when we look at these specific issues, they can all be traced back to the gospel. I mean, that's I don't know if it's a, I'm not reformed, but but Tim Keller has been, um, you know, a big influence on me, and that really all of, not just the Old Testament, but all of these these issues in our life can be traced back to being a gospel issue. I the mean, macro story that points back to Jesus. Yeah, and I've honestly like just to 
tell the truth on me for a second. I, I'll never forget when I, I preached a sermon, we were in the, I would not even the heart of the Old Testament, sort of the gut of the Old Testament. Where I'm going, it was one of those passages where it's like, how can one preach something hopeful about it? It was like that scripture landed on me. In those few chapters, I was like, oh my goodness. And somebody came in and never saw this person again. I don't even know if I shared this story with you. I saw the person one time. person came in, was kind of in the back, and then kind of during the communion time just came up to me and, and I was hoping would say, wow, you, you dealt well with a really hard passage. And actually just said, I like how, how you said that. I like what you shared, but where was Jesus? And it just broke my heart and it was like, oh man. And I was so focused on covering the text, covering the issues, um, saying them in a way that, that wouldn't just be like, bam, all these people are dying. There is no hope. They actually forgot to chase it back to Jesus. And that was a, just a huge message uh, for me was to say, man, like what is the zoom out story? How do I zoom out to, yes, this is all heading toward the cross. So let me just make it really real right now. Somebody wants to have a conversation with you. Somebody's criticizing you about masks, about how you've approached the race conversation, about how you're approaching the election. They're feeling like you are too Christian or you are too pagan, you are too conservative, too liberal, whatever those words mean these days. And to ask, okay, how can I position myself as Jesus would? Did Jesus get criticism? Absolutely. How did he respond in those? How did, how did Jesus approach parties and conversations? Those are social spaces where people are going to have real conversations with him. Approach the criticism. Never there enough for his family and yet never you know, doing enough for this person or this people group. To think about that he arrives after the death of his friend. Where were you, Jesus? You were too late. You're too slow to the party. So if you're being criticized, number one, it's not personal. Number two, Jesus himself was criticized. But can you take that a few layers deeper to the gospel? Um, and I believe that that could be the greatest apologetic that we have to offer mm. is that we could think deeper beyond an issue. I th- think about racial reconciliation for a moment. We have a deep and a thick history that can take us back, yes, of struggle, and that, yes, the church has been complicit in things of race over the past, but look at Scripture. It's so deep when it talks about this. Mm. But if you don't know Jesus and you're trying to figure this out, other than just being nice to one another and making sure that we all have equal opportunity, like that that folds. That doesn't hold up like the gospel we have of Jesus coming in to bring dignity. Think about women and women's empowerment. And think about how Jesus brought dignity to the woman at the well. How can you look beyond that to how Jesus responded, to how Jesus lived in the midst of that? And it feels like a lot of tension. And so I think, you know, we can apply that in conversations. Mm -hmm. And David, we can apply that in our churches. I think we need to. I think we desperately need to in the next few months in the danger of distraction. Um, What else, David? What else is really key for us to be thinking through? Well, to go back to the, the tension of feeling like you're caught in between this messy time and that you're going to be dealing with criticism, a lot of fears and doubts and insecurities are going to come in. And so before you even um, figure out how to tether the gospel to all of these cultural issues, my advice to you is to become fluent in the gospel for yourself and your own identity. Because you're, (laughs) and I'll speak from experience, you're 
entering into a season that is difficult, where your identity is going to be tested, because criticism does feel personal. You're going to wonder, am I cut out for this? I'm maybe not seeing the amount of success or the kind of success I was seeing before. Maybe you're tired and fatigued and you're wondering if um, you know, God even called you to this in the first place or if God's mad at you or whatever. There's all sorts of things that can pop up into your mind. And so for you to root yourself, not in the comparison of others, how's that church doing down the street? Why are they you know, opening up much quicker than us or why are they much slower than us? I mean, it is ripe for you to compare yourself to others, for you to take criticism personally and become insecure. And so to root yourself in your gospel identity. And Alan, you talked about this, but that really you are God's kid and that before you do anything, that God already gave his life for you to secure a relationship with you. And this is like, you know, Bible study 101 or you know, stuff that we've known since we were baby Christians, but this is the stuff that I need to preach to myself daily, especially in a season like this. Yeah, we, we forget it, and we are, we are forgetful. It's kind of like, well, I took communion last week. Why would I need that again? Yeah. Oh, I read Scripture a month ago. Why yeah. would I need it again? Because I forget. Israel yeah. was forgetful. Yeah. And it was, remember, remember what I did for you. I mean, like, God literally did miracles for them, and they, they watched stuff happen in front of them. Like, yeah the Red Sea, and then they're still having to say, hey, did you forget? Yes, they did. We forget in the midst, I think especially of, you mentioned fatigue, fatigue, distraction, we just forget what's below it. No shame, no guilt, we all do it. Mm -hmm. But I love that, that preaching the gospel to ourselves is so key. Yeah, like when they dry up uh, the Jordan, or when God dries up the Jordan, and they get 12 stones to basically, you know, put a, an altar, an Ebenezer, to remind themselves. You're, as a reader, you're like, why do they need 12 stones to remember that God did this miraculous thing? But we need the same thing, where God does amazing things in my life if I go back and read old journal entries, and I'm like, man, I totally forgot about that. And so we need these personal moments, these Ebenezers in our life to root ourselves and tether ourselves back into the gospel, because these things do affect the, our practical life. Like, you might be tempted to cover up in this season, to um, exaggerate your success in this season, to minimize um, the pain that you're going through in this season, to, to try to be uh, multiple uh, things to multiple people, to be more conservative in this conversation, be more liberal in this yeah. conversation. Our integrity is going to be challenged because when our identity is rooted in the approval of others, we will do all sorts of things we never guessed we would have. <laughs> and it's going to be tested in this time. And so Here's an example. If I if I tell a white lie to save face, we might say, oh, that's just, you know, a sin issue. We're all sinners and things like that. But you can trace it back to a gospel issue that really what was that white lie there for? Well, it was to, you know, seek the approval of others. It was to make sure that they don't think less of me, that um, I'm still secure in their sight. But if my identity is rooted in Christ and what he's already done for me, that he is, um, he's bought me with a price and that can never be taken away from me, even when I fail, even when I fall down, and that my approval and my worth is actually rooted in that, well, I don't need to lie. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to exaggerate 
put on a show or put on a mask for the approval of others because I've already found my worth and my satisfaction and my identity in Christ. I mean, this is real world stuff. This isn't just some fluffy yeah. theological things. Yeah. You're going to be running into these moments where your identity is going to be challenged and how we yeah. um, view ourselves in light of the gospel is going to affect how we act out um, those insecurities. So true. And approval addiction. You already have approval. You don't need it. And I know you're like, oh, but, but you know, I need to know, sure. We need to know we have a few people in our corner who believe in us. I mean, I hope if you're married, then your spouse, you're like, man, they're in my corner. I have a few close friends, yes. But even at the end of the day, there are decisions that your close leadership team, your close friends will disagree or disapprove of. Mm-hmm. Approval addiction, guys, we already have it. I think about cancel culture and just the fear of saying the wrong thing in the right moment and getting canceled. And I just think about like salvation cannot be canceled. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with God, your father cannot be canceled. Are we all living in some kind of anxiety about getting canceled by one tweet, one quote, one statement? I, I think we are. I mean, I think the fear is at an all time high. And yet I need this conversation today. I need to be reminded of this. Like I am God's kid deeply and dearly loved And maybe the last thing to just think through, we don't have like a huge practical, this is just more of a kind of conversation. We don't have a huge practical thing to end with, but just whenever we mix up who we are with what we do, Mm -hmm. it always gets weird. And it sometimes gets dangerous. And if our identity is in being a leader of a business, being a leader of a team, being a leader of a church, being a leader of a nonprofit, and that nonprofit, church, business, whatever, is not doing well with the metrics we had before, then we feel like, well, I am not as worthy. I am not the leader that I should be. I should not be leading this thing. And the reality is we've just had a hard season. It, it doesn't have anything to do hmm. with your identity. The impact many of us have felt has been stripped from us in the season, and it's identity versus impact. It's roots versus fruits. We need to be identity-grounded leaders versus impact-seeking leaders. Identity grounded versus impact-seeking. Impact lies to us. It tells us we're better than we are and we're worse than we are. And the reality is that we are God's kids. We're deeply and dearly loved. You may feel like you got dragged into the principal's office right now, that you're about to get canceled by people walking out of your church, about to get canceled by people who have been following you. You're talking up too much on race. You're not talking enough. You're talking about this much, this issue. Um, Whatever that is right now, I just think I take such joy in that and such security even in that, that we cannot be canceled in the midst of cancel culture. And and maybe just the last thing is it's hard to live out good news in a fake news and a bad news culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much fake news. There's so much bad news. And it almost feels risky to say, but what's the good news here? Because sometimes I want to fit in by saying, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, everything's hard right now. Yeah, this... And it's true. It's just not the full truth. And so we want to invite you guys into that. And sometimes we don't want to feel like a freak to be the one that's giving that other perspective on what's happening. But no matter who um, is heading up our country November 5th, God's still on his throne, Mm -hmm. period. And I want us to remember that. I need to remember that. David, you need to remember that. Mm -hmm. Everyone listening, this is a hard season. And yet God's still... On we always want to bring you back to the heart of it. We want to continue to talk about timely issues. The reality is the gospel is timeless. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that it even applies right now in this season 
None of us probably feel like we're killing it. None of us feel like we're living out the metrics maybe we were in the past. But here we go, guys. Let's continue to wade through the wilderness, knowing that our identity is not at stake. Guys, we love you. want to continue to have real conversations and sometimes even raw conversations. Keep tracking along. If you need to listen to this again, if you need to send this to a friend, if you need to have a discussion with it, with your team, we hope this can be a practical tool to you. Again, finding freedom. We are not in the leadership business to stay forth designs. We are in the freedom business. We want to remind you of the freedom we already have in Christ, the freedom we've already been given as sons and daughters of the King, deeply and dearly loved. Friends, continue to lead well, but remember that what you do is not your identity. Shine, shine. We ain't